0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of our podcast, The Climate Breakdown, the podcast where we break down the climate crisis, as explained by Ian Angus's book, Facing the Anthropocene. My name is Henrik, and today I'm joined by Gustav and Thomas, and we're going to be exploring the chapter in the book about the Great Acceleration. So just briefly about what the Great Acceleration is, this chapter is based off of 12 graphs released by the IGBP, the International Geospheric Biospheric Program. And it shows six trends related to the Earth, the planet and the environment and six graphs related to humanity, our society, uh, the economy and so on. And uh, basically what the Great Acceleration is, in short, is that from the 1950s onwards there's been a dramatic change in the way we as humans live and the way we affect our environment the way we uh, um, affect the climate and the planet so thomas if you want to
1: Yeah, you can really date it back to the Industrial Revolution. This is when things became a lot easier to produce, so people started demanding more and uh, more commodities and more and more resources. So companies and the government had to meet these new demands by just producing more and finding more effective ways to produce things. One of these ways that they started producing more was by burning fossil fuels for energy, such as oil and coal, which set out a lot of emissions into the atmosphere.
2: Another reason for our great increase in consumption of everything, just like food and resources and fuel is the explosive growth in population that's happened uh, in, well, uh, this past century, but also mainly after the 1950s. So, for example, in 1820, uh, our world had about 1 billion people in it, and then in about 1925, it grew to 2 billion. But then already in uh, like the 1960s maybe it was 3 billion and then now it's 7 billion so we've grown like 5 billion people in just one century and throughout all that past time before uh, we as humans existed we uh, we grew to 1 billion so this is just proof of the very just explosive growth in population in our past time and when there are more people we consume more things. Of course now, like with this exponential population growth, most people in the countries where the population is growing and their economy is developing, they hope to live in a way that us uh, more developed countries do, but our our Earth simply cannot handle these billions of people living the way we do. It's not possible there aren't enough resources for everyone to live like we do here in Europe, or at least parts of Europe.
0: So now if we take a look at some of the graphs that we have here in the chapter. Uh, the first graph we're going to take a look at is a real GDP. So GDP is essentially the way you measure the richness of a country and uh, yeah, how much is made in a country in a year. So Thomas, want to tell us a little bit about the graph?
1: Yeah, this graph is really a classic graph that you'll see a lot of this uh, when we look at graphs about the Great Acceleration. It's a very steep curve. Well, at first it's very low, but starting at about the 50s, the middle of the 20th century, it starts increasing and it's just kept on increasing all the way till now. It's really just been getting steeper and steeper an exponential growth. The reason for this is, well, we've already discussed the explosive growth in the population over the past few years. Corporations have had to meet the demand of all of these new people, which means they have to produce more, which means in turn they'll sell more, increasing the real GDP. It'll make everyone richer, and for a lot of, uh, in economics, you're taught that more is better when it comes to this, but now it's getting too much.
0: Yes, definitely. This idea of more is better is very common in the economy. Real GDP has increased a lot. And alongside the increase in uh, GDP, we see here on the um, uh, planetary graphs sort of, one of the main sort of things you hear about when you uh, talk about climate change is uh, the carbon dioxide emissions. And if you look at the carbon dioxide concentration in the atmosphere, it follows a very similar pattern sort of a low and stable from the 1750s onwards when the industrial revolution started it's going up bit by bit but very slowly but 1950s onwards because of the explosion population more being produced the carb- carbon emissions have just they've they've skyrocketed they they are yeah we are seeing a really dramatic change here and carbon dioxide is really the main sort of driving force in the climate change But uh, moving on from that graph, if we take a look here at another graph, the marine fish capture graph. Thomas?
1: The marine fish capture graph, it's the same as a lot of the other graphs. Uh, You'll see with the rising population, the population needed more and more food, so to meet this, agricultural advancements have been made, including in fishing. Uh, Since the 50s, the amount of uh, fishing has gone up, it's just risen and risen. But what you can see, however, is that it started decreasing now it means that we've started fishing less in the last 10 years or so. This could be viewed as a good thing, but it's actually not. We've started fishing less for all the wrong reasons. It's because we've started depleting the ocean's resources. There's just not enough fish to sustain how much we need to sustain the population. So we've started using other methods to get the food instead. And also you definitely can see an increase in farmed fishes, which is a completely different thing from regular fishing.
0: Yeah, definitely. We've uh, certainly damaged the marine ecosystem by capturing so many fish. Uh, Moving on to the last graph we're going to take a look at here today is the stratospheric ozone. Gustav? Now,
2: just like all other graph, it shows exponential growth in the uh, second half of the 20th century. Uh, But then... At the very end, it's actually going down and this is due to the Montreal Protocol where a lot of countries around the world got together and uh, did their best to solve this crisis with a hole in the ozone layer. And, well, it was actually solved partially, like not completely solved, but we're getting closer to it and it's going better, it's going in the right direction. And just this could be done with the climate change with a lot more to consider, of course.
0: Yes, precisely, a very sort of glimmer of hope there. If you found this topic especially interesting, there will be an episode coming out later in the series uh, fully concentrated on the ozone crisis that took place in, 19, in the 1980s. But uh, building on what Gustav has been saying here brings me to the last question of today's podcast, which is preventing the Great Acceleration. I mean, obviously, we are already in the Great Acceleration, but we need to pull the brakes, definitely.
1: Uh, I think it's very possible to do that, it's, uh, and it's, it shouldn't be very difficult either. We can see with efforts such as the Paris Agreement, it's definitely a start. And uh, as in the example of the ozone layer, if we all band together, and if the countries, several countries collectively uh, pull the brakes and stop the uh, emissions or, and the emission of greenhouse gases, then we can definitely start preventing the great acceleration. What we need to do is we need to demand laws.
0: Yes, individual action is, of course, great, but it's simply not enough. We need to implement actual laws that limit the amounts of carbon dioxide that we can emit, because there is very clear scientific data on this. We know how much carbon dioxide we have left to spend before reaching these average temperature rises of 1.5 or 2 degrees, which will really have a large impact on the whole on the whole planet, the ecosystems everywhere. The, like, the best way for us to stop this is to hold governments and companies
2: accountable and tell them that they need to stop emitting these gases and dangerous things. There's no better way to do it. Like, as Henrik said, individual action is great, but we need laws from above so that we can really limit our emissions, to really slash them. And we need to find new ways too. Uh, and yeah, we just that's the best way to do it. You need, you need to go to the law making.
0: Yeah.
1: We've seen a lot of marches and protests for individual actions such as we should recycle more or we should stop taking the car or we should start biking more instead to cut our emissions. What uh, we think uh, would be a much better idea is to march for laws. We demand laws, we march and we protest so that we can get the governments to implement the laws that they need to implement to cut the carbon emissions by enough
2: we we also need to have like a clear message we can't just be angry we need to demand a specific thing and this is why you can go to our website cut 11 percent where you can see how much your country individually needs to cut like what that country specifically needs to cut their emissions by because we need like clear and focused demands not just do something about it we need to yes cut.
0: yeah precisely and uh, if you want to find out more about the whole uh, Climate crisis as a whole, you should definitely go read Ian Angus's book, Facing the Anthropocene, which is what we're basing the podcast on. It's a really great book and it's very, it includes pretty much everything. And uh, as Gustav said, go check out the website, Cut 11%. You can also follow Cut 11% on Instagram. And uh, also, to come back to the graphs we've been talking about today, they're really accessible if you just Google the Great Acceleration go to the images, all of the 12 graphs will be there. So that concludes today's episode. This has been the Climate Breakdown. So thank you so much for tuning in.